This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, November 3rd. I'm Virginia Allen. Both Democrats and Republicans support aid for Israel, but there are significant differences of opinion in what should be included in an aid package. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, along with Senators Vance, Lee, and Cruz, have introduced a standalone aid package. Senator Marshall argues that the fastest way to provide support for Israel and to send a clear message to Iran and Hamas that America supports Israel is to pass a standalone aid package. Of course, the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress, they've proposed a $105 billion aid package that, yes, includes aid for Israel, but also over $61 billion in aid for Ukraine and billions of aid for other issues. Senator Marshall joins the show today to explain why we need an aid package that is a standalone aid package for Israel right now and how Congress can move forward and get it done. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. Conservative women are problematic women. Why? Because we don't adhere to the agenda of the radical left. Every Thursday morning on the Problematic Women podcast, Kristen Eichammer, Lauren Evans, and me, Virginia Allen, are joined by other conservative women to break down the big issues and news you care about. Whether you're interested in hot takes and conversations on pop culture or what Congress is up to, Problematic Women has you covered. We sort through the news to keep you up to date on the issues that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning, that is, problematic women. Find Problematic Women wherever you like to listen to podcasts and follow the show on Instagram. It is my distinct privilege today to be joined by Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. Thank you so much for being with us today, Senator Marshall. Virginia, glad to be here. We got some really, really important topics to share with your listeners. We do. We do. Let's dive right in and talk about aid for Israel. What we have seen from the Biden administration is um, a proposal put forth for a hundred and five billion dollar aid package that includes fourteen point three billion for Israel and sixty one point four billion for Ukraine. You have been very clear that aid for Israel should be standalone, shouldn't be tied to aid for Ukraine or anything else. Why is that? Well, Virginia, leave it to President Biden to blow an opportunity uh, to to bring a clear, precise, quick, unhesitant message to the people of Iran, the terrorists from Iran, the terrorists from Hamas, all the puppets of Iran, that really this week, last week, we could have passed maybe with 98 of 100 senators voting to help Israel out right now. But instead, once you bring in these other issues, Ukraine funding, Taiwan funding, he, his, his bill actually opens up the border even more. Uh, when you bring all those in, it becomes very controversial. We could send a message yesterday to the terrorists in Iran to say, we're going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. We all saw the brutal savage attack that happened there in, in Israel. Babies decapitated, women raped, bodies burned. We saw all that. We need a quick response. Iran needs to know that this isn't a battle just between the people of Israel and the Hamas army of terror. This is a battle for the future of humankind and that we're not going to tolerate terrorism. 
So yourself and Senators Vance, Lee, and Cruz, you all have put forth in the Senate um, a very straightforward, standalone aid package for Israel. Share a little bit about what is included in that package. Well, essentially, we take the um, the amount of money that President Biden recommended, I think $14 billion, and that seems like a reasonable amount, and basically will replenish and give uh, Israel more military aid. Uh, as well, there's no there's no funding for humanitarian whatevers into into uh, Gaza. Uh, we think that that's a mistake that we did. We've seen just recently the Gaza uh, aid that the Hamas army of terrorists stole that as well. So it's it's all the funding strictly for uh, Israel to to fight that battle. Very straightforward, and would love to to get it on the floor uh, to vote on today. Yeah. Well, uh, we've seen that from the House, the GOP House, of course, now led by Speaker Mike Johnson, um, they have put forward very similar legislation saying there should be a standalone aid package in that same just over $14 billion um, mark there. But what we've seen from President Biden is he's essentially already said, well, if that reaches my desk. I'm going to veto it. Right. So now, another veto threat. And by the way, I'm leading the league in veto threats and vetoes by the president. I'm very proud that he's vetoed five of our uh, of our of our bills so far. Um, first of all, Speaker Johnson has my 110 total support. He and his wife Kelly came in together with us on the House side. And and just for your listeners' sake, he's genuinely uh, a godly man. And that he just you can just see the fruits of the spirit come from him, that he, he practices gentleness and he's a great listener, but he's tr- he is truly a, a man of faith. And I think for such a time as this, God has called him to be right where he is, mm-hmm. truly a conservative, truly wants to get to a balanced budget. So the difference between his legislation and we actually introduced a second bill to mimic that one mm-hmm. where there's the pay for. So the difference between uh, maybe what we wanted to do over here is that he wants to take funding away from the IRS, which we agree, we want to do that as well. It's going to make it harder to pass over here. So I think for the sake of, of expedition, we would have done it without. But but regardless, uh, he has our support. Unfortunately, over on the Senate side, uh, Senate leadership on both parties want to cram Ukraine funding. And I and I let me just speak just a second about Ukraine. Yeah, please. Um, it's a this is a nine or ten year battle, war. Already 200,000 people have died. No end in sight. They're in a stalemate. We need to be focused on a peace solution in Ukraine. And even over the last week, we've seen the countries of Poland, of uh, Hungary, Slovakia say enough that there's so much corruption going on in Ukraine, we can't keep doing this. Debating Ukraine deserves its time, and what we're going to do there is very important as well. But there's just no way that it's of the critical timing that Israel is. Uh, And that's why we need to separate this legislation. Okay. So speak a little bit, because like you mentioned, um, Speaker Johnson has recommended that paying for uh, for aid to Israel should come out of this kind of big fund from under the Biden administration that they put money towards uh, funding the IRS, expanding the IRS. Um, So now are are you saying that that, um, yourself and and the other senators backing this bill, that you all are also advocating for that? Or where do you recommend that money... Uh, this money come from. Right. And I know this is confusing, but I have to go down two roads at the same time. Sure, That's what I'm used sure. to doing in the in the pra- in my business world. So I think we're going down two roads. I could support either one of those. I'm just saying from a practical standpoint, it's going to be hard, even harder. We, we go from 98 votes for this over on the Senate side to I'm not sure, you know, it's going to be we can get 60 or not. So okay. I'm also a realist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
where do things stand? Because it, it does seem like there's there's a lot of disagreement between Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. over this right now. How do we move the ball forward quickly for Israel? Well, I think the quickest way to do it is allow us to put legis- put our legislation on the floor, ask for unanimous consent. And really, that, that could be done in one day. That would be the most expeditious way. Um and, and we may try to get that done. I'm trying to give Speaker Johnson just a little bit more leeway to see what he does here in the next two days as well. Eventually, we want to put wind beneath his cells and give him a victory. I certainly think whatever comes out of the House is going to be more conservative, uh, more, um, I, I think, consistent with my values than what's going to come out of the White House. All right. Well, we're going to obviously continue watching this. I want to ask you about Iran because you mentioned that um, just a moment ago. Where... Where should America's focus be right now as it relates to relations with Iran? This is a sensitive subject. Things are changing rapidly. Where does our focus need to right. be? Well, I, I'm sure enough to remind your listeners that Iran is the head of the stake. They're the largest state funder of terrorism. And appeasement doesn't work. Uh, the the Biden-Obama administrations have tried to coddle them. And I'm reminded, I think it was Winston Churchill who said, you can't Uh, tame a tiger by petting it. And that's what they tried to do. They petted this, and now he's rubbing their belly. Think about what under this administration, what he's done for for Iran. From day one, he tried to give them nuclear weapons, and they're still very, very close to having nuclear weapons. Could you imagine the situation right now if Iran had nuclear weapons and maybe they smuggled one over to the Gaza Strip, what the situation would look like differently? But beyond that, it's the funding that this administration, that Joe Biden has turned his head to Iran's economy. He's allowed them to continue to ship oil to China when Joe Biden became president, Iran had $6 billion of money left. Today, they have $60 billion in account. He's allowing them to sell a billion dollars every day, or excuse me, a billion dollars every week to, to China. And then from a military standpoint, what we've seen Iran do here in the last several weeks is some 25 attacks on Americans. They continue to have a bounty on the heads of previous uh, people that served under President Trump. Um, to this day. So we sat there and we just watched this happening. At some point in time, you have to stand up and hit the bully in the nose. And that's what my suggestion would be here. And what is hitting the bully in the nose look like? That's a good question, Virginia. <laughs> you know, I think I certainly, I think we put some guardrails around it. I'm not wanting to start World War III. I'm not a warmonger. But the only thing that these folks understand is an eye for an eye or a tooth for tooth. So I think something proportional and maybe exponentially more. When they attack 25 of, of us, of our different um, military institutions, installations, then we should be attacking five or 10 of theirs. Mm-hmm. Wherever those, wherever that, that uh, attack was launched from, whichever one of their proxies it was, we need to retaliate against those. And at some point in time, we need to certainly stand up to Iran, maybe even within their own, own nation's uh, boundaries. We'll see. Certainly, let's stop their ships that are shipping oil to, to China right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, given the situation and growing tensions, obviously, in the Middle East that are developing so rapidly, uh, yourself and other lawmakers have expressed concerns over America's borders and specifically our southern border and the threat of could terrorists take advantage of the current border crisis and cross our southern border. How real is that threat? Well, FBI Director Ray was in front of our committee yesterday, and he said it's a very real threat that Americans don't need to be panicked, but we certainly need to be on a 
an, an altered, is extra high alert mode that we need to be watching our back. As my dad, the police officer, says mm-hmm. that that we need to be. Uh, if you see see something, say something. Those mm-hmm. types of things. So I think it's very very real. And let's let's talk about why that's such a real threat. We also had Secretary Mayorkas in front of us yesterday. He admitted that we have 600,000 gotaways that have come into this country in the past year. So we have no idea who those people are, where they're from, where they terrorists, uh, what are their intentions. And you throw on top of that, we've stopped 170 people on the terrorist watch list in the past year. On top of that, we had 60,000 aliens of interest uh, in the past two years. Those are people from from uh, Turkey, from from. Uh, Iran, from Afghanistan, those types of countries. And on top of that, 20,000 Chinese nationals have entered our country and been released as well. So from that body of people, could you imagine a group of terrorists? Are there sleeper cells out there? So this is a very, I don't want to make anybody panic, Mm -hmm. but this is a very real threat. I mean, Israel thought Hamas could not strike out, but they did and lost 1,400 people. Innocent lives, yeah, yeah. Um, Ian, relation, you mentioned those uh, more than 170 folks on the terrorist watch list who have been encountered at America's borders. What do we know about those people? Do, do we know, you know, were they automatically removed? Were they released into America? Do we have data on who those 170 people were? Yeah, well, the answer is no. And that's exactly the question I asked of Secretary Mayorkas yesterday. Um and he refused to really answer it in any way, shape, or form. I understand there may be some some uh, very sensitive information there, but he, he could have at least given us the the response that look, they're they're not running free in America. Some are in jail. Some we sent sent back to the Middle East where they were from. But there's really just the uh, the silence is so deafening. Yeah. And I think what's important is is that he doesn't understand why this is so important back home. People back home don't feel safe and secure anymore. My own parents, my dad, the chief of police in 25 years, my hometown, the same home I grew up in, and they don't feel safe anymore. Well, why don't they feel safe anymore? We're losing a, a Kansan every day to fentanyl poisoning. We're losing 300 people nationwide to fentanyl poisoning. The cartel has a large presence in Kansas. Wherever there's drug trafficking going on, there's crime. Mm. They go hand in hand. That's the first thing my dad taught me is that crime follows the drug trafficking. Human trafficking is exploding across the country as, as well. So there's a reason people don't feel safe in their homes anymore. And then again, 600,000 gotaways last year. We don't have operational control over a border. And that's what our Secretary of Homeland Security is missing. He doesn't understand that this is the number one concern for folks back home is their safety and security. I think that's why this is going to be the number one defining issue for the next presidential election. Which president can keep us safe and secure again? That's pretty striking to say that the cartels have such a strong presence in Kansas. I I don't think many people would think in the middle of America that there's a stronghold of cartel activity in, in a state like Kansas that's very far from either the southern or the northern border. That's uh, just very, very eye Right, and this is, um, I've had multiple visits with the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, the DEA, local sheriffs. And they're following these people that they have, that is it is absolutely they're not even sleeper cells anymore. These are active cells that are taking the drugs that are trafficked through the from Mexico. They come to Kansas 
and then they go east and west on, on Interstate 70. Wow. And then the human trafficking is exploding as well. We're breaking up we're breaking up rings where maybe 30, 50, 60 people were basically in some type of servitude to the cartel paying back their debt, their so-called debt for getting safe passage through Mexico. Mm. Senator, while I have you here, I do want to take a second and just talk about spending because we're um, just over two weeks out now from uh, from the the end of the government being funded on November 17th. We're funded until then. Uh, what is the path forward? Are we going to see a government shutdown? What do these next couple of weeks hold? Right. You know, I mentioned earlier that for such a time as this, Mike Johnson has been called to be the Speaker of the House. So the first for the first time in years, I have hope that we're going to go through a regular order where we take each spending bill one at a time. Essentially, there are 12 buckets of money to fund the federal government, some 2,000 lines underneath those, but 12 buckets of money. If we would go through those one at a time and expose in daylight what people of these bridges to nowhere, if we expose those on the House floor or Senate floor, I think we'll start seeing some real trends as well. But there's no way that Mike can get those done between now and November the 17th. I think mm-hmm. that's D-Day is November the 17th. Mm-hmm. But, but at least Mike has a plan. And he started going through those one at a time already. They can continue it. We're asking on the Senate side to start to go through those one at a time as well. But instead, our uh, um, Schumer, Senator Schumer is bringing them in little minibuses, three or five at a time, which are hard for us to swallow. We're going to have to do some type of continuing resolution to give Mike Johnson and the House Republicans an opportunity to start going through this budgets. But what they're suggesting is a continuing resolution resolution with significant cuts as well. That, look, this country is going to spend $900 billion this year on interest. $900 billion, that's what we're spending on the military. We cannot continue down this path. That this is, it's painful. This process is going to be painful. No one this week has came to me and said, we appreciate your federal funding for such and such project. We want to take a cut this year. But it's going to be painful, but we have to address the problem again. We, we kind of started this conversation earlier. I've got four grandchildren. If we want to lead this country better than we found it, we're going to have to make some tough decisions today. Yeah, yeah. Senator, final question before I let you go. A little bit of a lighter note. So it's fall. Many of Americans are enjoying a lot of football right yeah. now. And both Kansas State and Kansas um, college teams are ranked in the top 25 what do you expect to see from these teams the rest of the season? Well, funny you should mention that. I had a great weekend back home. It's duck hunting season, so we got to go out. It was freezing cold, 29 degrees. Uh, Kansas State had a strong victory this week. KU, a big upset over Oklahoma. So it's fun to have the football back. My Chiefs took, a, took it on the chin a little bit. But <laughs> Kansas State plays KU at the end of November. And I have degrees from both of them, so it's going to be a tough game, but I bleed purple. (laughs) I love it. Well, Senator, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Virginia. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Daily Signal podcast. Make sure that you check out our evening show. It's right here in the same podcast feed where every weekday we bring you the top news of the day. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you listen. We're across all podcast platforms, and we would so appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review. Thanks again for being with us today. We'll see you right back here around 5 p.m. for our top news edition, so you're caught up on all the news before you head into the weekend. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. 
To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.